Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey everybody, welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm I'm Olaf. And on today's episode, we talk about Frozen 2 and Sleeping Beauty and The Little Mermaid. And probably Frozen 1. Nope. I We shared our thoughts on Frozen 1 and Jojo Rabbit. That was your chance. Oh, that was my only chance? Yeah. Yeah. Great. So apparently go back to the Jojo Rabbit episode. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo? How would you, how would you spell it if that's how I need to pronounce well, J-O-J-O, it? J-O-J-O. But we're doing it with the German accents and they always called him Jojo. Oh, well, okay. Great. Also, I didn't know Jojo was one word? Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be two. Yeah. Jojo that's, Rabbit. It's his nickname. Because his name is like Jonathan. Ugh, what a name. Yeah, or... Johan. Johan. Jojo-Rabbit! Alright, great. Well, this seems appropriate that we start on our... our... Nope. Only Disney talk. Hey, no, everyone. Uh, welcome. ruined it. Welcome to the House of Mouse. My name is Kylie, and <laughs> I am going to be your expert on all things Disney. Man, if only I knew the House of Mouse, Mouse theme song, I would It's just the House just... of Mouse Playhouse! Come okay, on, good. guys! <laughs> Do it. Go for it. That's all I know. Okay, great. I've got many other theme songs, but not the House of Mouse. Well, it's unfortunate that you aren't the expert. Oh, are you the expert now? Yeah, I'm the expert on all things Disney. Okay, great. Everyone, Kylie has become the Disney expert. <laughs> yeah, I... A... Because I've definitely seen them all. Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm already done with Disney Plus. Oh, okay. <laughs> is uh, is your Twitter hand Twitter handle now the Disney Expert? <laughs> That's probably someone else's Twitter handle already. Oh no, yours is with a capital T H E oh, though. Official. Yeah, the Disney Expert. Yeah. Um, it's only been about. Mm, it only took about twenty four. Twenty. It took many years uh-huh. to realize that Disney started with a D, in fact, and it was not a G. Oh man, I'm glad we're on the <laughs> same page. I was like, I know this company's called Disney, but this logo looks like Disney. Yeah. Also, but the G would be backwards. Yeah. Which also <laughs> that makes no sense. Which also like dis- destroyed me. But I now understand. Do you know why the logo is that way? It's not like it's that hard to figure out. It's like. Cursive. Is that Disney's signature? It's Disney's signature. Yep. Oh well. There you go. Um, anyways, that draw that gave me lots of confusion for most of my life. Yeah. Uh. Well, and here we are now. All right, we are here today to talk about Frozen Two and Sleeping Beauty. You always like and... pause as though you want to say like a colon. Blah, blah, blah. There should be something there. There literally should be. Disney, you missed this boat. So this is like one of my like the, the tiny little nitpicks that I've always had since they announced that Frozen 2 was going to exist. And my brain was going to be like, okay, they'll just change the title eventually. It'll not end up being Lazy McLazerson's Frozen 2. No, they're going to do something with it. They're going to put a colon there. They're going to like, get come on, because like the before... They were like, Frozen, Frozen Ever After, Olaf's Frozen Adventure. Okay, God, Frozen's in there. Like, okay, we gotta do this, everybody, but no. And then you watch the thing, and you're like, it's right there. It's literally right in front of you, Disney. You can do it. It's so easy. Like, Frozen, Into the Unknown, done. You've done it. You've named your movie. Frozen 2. 
in the long lineage of the Disney animated classics, we now have Frozen 2. The third sequel ever made? In in official canon, yes. Well, yeah, I don't count Mulan 2. Uh, it might technically be the fourth. It, yeah, it would be the fourth. Or the fifth. It'd be the fifth sequel. Here's our game, everybody. We're opening up with a game. Can Kylie name all five Disney sequels in the official Disney canon? Disney animated canon. Oh. That, this is... Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh is Rescuers Down them. Under. Rescuers Down Under. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Ralph Breaks the Internet. I don't... A fourth one? Is it a goofy thing? No. Okay, because that... I, yeah, I no. know that that's not an official. Yeah, yeah not an official. Uh-huh. In the Disney canon. In the Disney canon. Like, over here somewhere. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, I'm gonna give you Frozen 2. Because, okay. like, great. Yeah, right. uh-huh, yeah. So you got one more. Snow White doesn't. Pinocchio doesn't. Snow White and the Eighth Dwarf. <laughs> no. No, no. Um, <clears throat> Pinocchio doesn't, um, oh! Oh, this is exactly the strategy that I was using was the worst strategy I ever like could have used. Uh -huh. However, it got me to the answer. Yep, absolutely. Fantasia two thousand. There it is. Sorry, I forgot about <laughs> the sequel to Fantasia. I mean, the sequel to a series of short films all put together with another series of short films put together. I don't know if there's the connective tissue of anything. Yeah, they both overboard with an orchestra. Okay, I'm gonna make a statement. Okay, yeah. Wait, I already forgot them all. Great, perfect. Wait. Okay, <laughs> Rescuers Down Under. Uh huh. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie, okay. Frozen Two. Winnie the Pooh uh -huh. was the one I forgot. Okay. Okay. Josh. I'm going to make Fantasia half a sequel. Uh, okay. This is why when <laughs> I was counting it, I was like, well, maybe four, maybe three, maybe... But then I kept remembering them. Fantasia, I would give you, like, maybe not a sequel. Mm -hmm. It's just more of a, like, lineage of... Yeah. I mean, listen, we're all very excited for... Fantasia uh, 3000. Yeah, it's going to happen. And we'll all be alive for it. <laughs> As robots. I mean, technically, we don't have to wait until the year 3000 to get it. We would technically get it in the year 2040. Well, you know what we could do? What? We could make a film starring John Malkovich and then not release it for a hundred years. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> this is a bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> What's your Macy's Parade balloon vibe? Okay, so I get a pick between um, Olaf, Olaf, uh, Pikachu, holding an adorable snowman. That Pikachu. is true. What is on the Grinch's back? Max. Oh, okay. Oh, it's his dog Max, oh. and he's carrying the the packages. Okay, this is this is kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm. Oh, ooh. I think. Okay, can we clarify? Sure. Which Grinch is this? Unclear. Okay. Can you clarify which Grinch it is? No, that's why I was <laughs> asking if, uh... If... Here's who I'll say it's not. It's not Jim Carrey. Okay, good. Okay. So it's either it's... Benedict Cumberbatch or... Bert? Bert? Boris? Boris Karloff. There it is. We did that. We got I there. I knew <laughs> it was some famous guy. It was. Frankenstein. <laughs> 
See, I confuse Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney in my mind a lot, and I was like, it was one of the, the spookies. Okay. But it wasn't Bella Lugosi. So one final clarification. Okay. Which Pikachu is this? Uh, it's not Detective Pikachu. This is the Pikachu from the animated series. Okay. I'm gonna... I'm gonna go Grinch. Olaf Pikachu. Th- this was very close. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was not as close as I thought. Uh, Pikachu is leading with 53, and then the Grinch with 27, and then Olaf with 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go take this poll on Macy's Twitter. Yeah, it's see- great. Yeah. It might not be there anymore. I only have four days left! Oh, quick, go now! <laughs> Alright, uh, so the concept of this episode is as follows. Um, when they announced Frozen 2 was going to come out in 2019... I was kind of looking back on Disney history and thinking, interesting, because in 1989, they released The Little Mermaid, and in 1959, they released Sleeping Beauty. So in some sort of pattern there, they have released princess movies. And I thought that this would be a good time to maybe look at the lineage and history of Porgs. Um, Official I, canon. We uh, can go buy a, a Build-A-Bear workshop pork. Yes! Anyways. Sorry. Uh, no, sorry. I got distracted by a pork, everybody. No worries. Well, it's okay. I'm distracting you. Because yeah. we don't have any much to do today to record. Uh, Kylie, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we, we don't have as much as we've had in the past. We only have two. I know. Yeah. All right. Um, but... So, to look at the lineage of Disney princesses and kind of maybe unpack a little bit about how they've changed and how they stayed the same and what maybe they mean to different eras in Disney history. Now, I think I will say for myself, the reason why I was really excited about this trio of films is because... I think that Sleeping Beauty represents kind of that golden classic era of princesses. You've got Little Mermaid to represent the Renaissance era and maybe even a little after, though there is some nuance in the Renaissance era. And then you've got Frozen 2 to represent the more uh, contemporary, the second golden age, so to speak, of Disney films. And so it just kind of lined up really nicely to talk about all of those eras in the context of these three films. Uh, We will also talk about Frozen 2 as a movie itself and give our quick reviews and thoughts on Frozen 2 also. So yeah, that's kind of how this movie came about, or this episode came about. Snoopy! Aww, he's really cute. Build a Snoopy- oh my god, the World War I flying ace? Oh, shut up. Man. There you go. Build-A-Bear could have all my money. <laughs> and can we go to Build-A-Bear? I don't think that was a yes. I don't I don't think it was. I think the only way for me to really end my friendship with Anne is to continue to push you guys into financial bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> with toys. Hi, uh, my name is Josh. I, I'm a capitalist. Hello. Hi. Hello, everybody. Um, but I have other good things about me, so yeah. Alright, uh, Kylie. Yes. In Query of the Half Fortnite. Okay, I'm gonna take it seriously. Alright. It's, (laughs) it's a question that takes some thought. Uh Uh-huh. Um, 
What's your favorite Disney princess? Okay, well, I have my answer, but I'm afraid you're going to say that's not a Disney princess. No, no, you can say... Okay, listen, I'm not, like, a princess, like, warlord. You're not... That's all, like, it must be in the princess line. That's called a gatekeeper. Oh, sorry, gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah. I'm done with gatekeepers. Yeah, no, I... I know that sometimes I sound like a gatekeeper. I'm really not. And the reason why I'm not is because I host a movie podcast, but I hadn't seen, like... The Wizard of Oz until, like, last year. So, like, everyone can just <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Great. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I like Mulan. Yeah. I like... I, she's in the Disney princess, she like, is. selling yeah. point. But she's not a princess. Um, if I go, like, strict the definition of princess. No, no, you can count Mulan. Can I sorry, so sorry. I'm so sorry. Let me speak. I'm gonna keep you in the gate. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is Moana a Disney princess? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, she's not in the princess line. Guess I can't count her. But we can. We're not doing the like princess line nonsense. Here's the issue. Okay. I haven't seen most of these princesses. All right. Films, okay. And I haven't seen most of them in a while. Okay. Um. I also okay. like ja- Jasmine. Jasmine's a safe answer. Belle! Belle! I forgot about Belle! Okay, Belle. Here's the Why thing. are you trying to not say Mulan? Well, Mulan is a good answer! She... I'm... Yeah, but like... <laughs> I... But people... I don't... Josh, those Disney fans scare me. You guys really stress me out. Why? <laughs> Mulan is my answer. Okay, great. I just like... Mulan is like... She comes in... She like sucks. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite word is because she sucks. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. At okay. uh, like 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 I don't know. She's clumsy and like there are just moments where she kind of feels realistic. She's trying to make her family proud and she's got all this stress and like because of that she doesn't really like get to be herself or show her character, which is like relatable. Like you know, like, you want to make your family proud, and then, like, she goes off, and she does this, like, super noble thing, and, like, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, no one believes in her. Except (laughs) for Eddie Murphy. Uh, Eddie Murphy is, like, (laughs) and he's, like, please, someone let me keep my position. Oh, no, it's because he kills a dragon. He kills a statue. Huh. That didn't come to life. I I think, okay, so the question that I phrased Mm -hmm. is, what is my favorite? Because mm-hmm. I think if I was ranking them, I'd have a different answer. Oh, also, another thing I like about Mulan, there's that real surreal moment where, like, everyone says, well, you really suck at this and you should go home. Uh-huh. And she's like, ah, oh, you know, I really do suck at this. But you know what? That doesn't matter. I'm going to continue to try. And what's great about Mulan is that everyone tried to climb up that stupid pole and they didn't work. Your strength just didn't work, did it, everyone? So you know what she used? Her mind. <laughs> Yeah, she just removes the bolt that falls over and she gets to ride with Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> she does something that looks much harder than climbing up the pole. Uh-huh. But, like, and seems a lot more dangerous because... she, like, take, like, a cloth of some kind and, like, maneuver up it? They have to climb up it with these two weights. Okay. And so what she does is she... Mat- her magic powers wrap and, like, ties and secures them. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And then she she uses that to, like, 
like walk up it essentially. Okay. Um, but like as I watched that, I was like, what if that comes apart? Um, <laughs> I also like Jasmine. Okay, wait, wait. Bill's pretty cool. Before you get there, because like I'm Jasmine... trying to just name them all. Okay, stop naming them all because okay. one of them's mine. Uh, so Jasmine. Jasmine. Like, if I were to rank them My as real answer is Esmeralda, but yes. she's definitely not a princess. Well, I mean, fair enough. And fair. Nani? Nani's my favorite Disney princess. Oh, Nani. Nani's uh, great. Ten out of ten. Nani doesn't get enough love, yeah. but, like, I cannot imagine taking care of a little sister at this point in yeah. my life. No, she's... She, Nani's everything. <laughs> Nani is life. Nani is gonna join Elsa in the queen line, okay? <laughs> like, that's what's gonna happen. Okay, your favorite okay. Disney princess. I guess is Jasmine. Okay. And if I were to make a ranking of, like, which ones are the best princesses, I don't think Jasmine's going to end up, like, at number one. Because I think for all the reasons that I actually really like Jasmine, I think Disney has proceeded to go on and do them better and uh, um, in other princesses in, in the future line. Yeah, I think that's even true about Mulan, because then you get Moana. Yes, Moana was also one that I was thinking Who of. has a similar kind of arc of, like... I'm doing this for my family, and so, like, and, like, going on this dangerous adventure f yeah. to save my people, which is, like, a similar thing for Mulan, but I think that they've updated it and made it even... They took the good things about Mulan and enhanced it. Yeah. For me, Jasmine, I think it's because Aladdin, like, is so close to my heart, and that movie just means a lot to me, and those characters mean a lot to me. Jasmine, uh, on the whole is a Disney princess who, yes, her story is tied up in a romance. That is a true story still. However, she's active in it. She takes her own... She's like, no, I will make my own choice. And that is how this will be. And if you even then look at her updating of how they've updated the characters through the Broadway show and the 2019 version of Aladdin, I think they start to... They try to actually give her more and more... Um, self-actualization self as the franchise goes along and so I think that she really represents her time really well each time that story is updated and I just I like Jasmine I think she's a good strong fun character also she has a tiger like that's I just I want a tiger you have one I know Anne fair enough <laughs> Fair enough. All right, friends. If you want to answer the inquiry of the half fortnight, which is, what's your favorite Disney princess? You can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also, also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Give us a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. What is the voice? Oh. <laughs> that, that's either Frozen 2 or Ariel, but it's one of them. Yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. That's okay. I, I was too distraught by the Onward trailer to even try to consider. <laughs> that helps us get more listeners. And now, on with the show. Onward with the show. Onward with the show. <laughs> expectations. <clears throat> My expectations is that it's weird that Pixar is releasing two movies within two months of each other. Because, like, Onward comes out at the beginning of March, and Soul comes out in the middle of May. And I'm like, great, so which one do you not have faith in? My idea is that it's Onward, because who watches a Pixar movie in March? Yeah. Um, I was really on board with Soul because I didn't think it was about actual souls when the trailer started. I was like, okay. Uh huh. We're, I'm liking this exploration. Oh. And then it's about the actual embodiment of souls. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> Tina Fey shows up and does a cowboy dance. That was Tina Fey? Yeah. 
I, I agreed. Like, <laughs> not all of us need to go down in <laughs> the history. <laughs> and I am one of those people. Some of us just want to do a really fancy cowboy dance. Yeah. Um, do you know who directed Soul? Mm, you? Yep, me. Barry Jenkins. Uh, Pete Doctor. He's a Toy Story guy, right? No. Oh, crap. No, I got this. Okay. He's, uh... He's, he's got... Coco? No. He's got Wally? <laughs> no. In, inside Out. Yes, he's Inside Out. Okay. He's got three of these? <laughs> I've already named all the good ones. Whoa, up, whoa. Up, 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 uh-huh, up. Sorry. Uh-huh. They even showed, like, three of these movies, like, from the creators who brought you blah, 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 blah. Right? At, no, I mean, it's not right here. I know it's not. It's not Wally. Bugs Life? No. Oh, man. Monsters, Inc. There it is. Okay. <laughs> I was like, you got the first word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's my only resitation. Resitation. Mm, that's not a word. Hesitation? R- hesitation. I mixed reservation and hesitation on Soul. It's like, dude, you just made Inside Out. Like, are you making a sequel? A similar movie? What are you doing? So I'm interested. But yeah. Expectations for Frozen 2. You at one point asked me what my fav- what I was most excited for in the Disney can. Uh-huh. And you sent me like 27 films that came out this year. <laughs> yes. This was a year. Yeah. And my first number one excited for was Dumbo, which was a crash course in enjoyment. A crash course in enjoyment? No, like like I crashed. Oh, okay. I was so sad. Okay. I just wanted it to be so good. Okay, great. So, so Dumbo crashed and burned. Yeah. And then I wasn't so excited for any of the Marvel films, because like, just like, if I lower my expectations, things will pretty much be fine. Yeah. And here I am in a Marvel sweater that I bought before seeing the movie, because I needed to support. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you saw Endgame three times in theaters. Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did. I did really like Endgame. I was just a little bit tired of superhero films at that point. So I'm with you. Um, and then like I was hesitant on Star Wars, even though like now like I'm getting hyped. Oh, gotta suppress it. I'll did just you hold all my emotions right here, and then I will die? Did you like cover eyes and ears for the Star Wars trailer before mm-hmm. Frozen? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know anything about this whole. Here's what I know: raising it. Kylo Ren's probably in it. And here's how I know. Because the nerds' ropes oh, <laughs> are okay. now packaged with uh, Kylo Ren and ah. Ray's face, and you have to choose which side you're on, and I thought that was really stupid. Um, <laughs> Great, fair enough. Stupid marketing. <laughs> um, and so then my second choice was uh, Frozen 2. Because, like, I don't know. I, the first Frozen is... I f- the first Frozen I liked, but I didn't love as much as society around me had loved it, um, which then made me a monster to some people because I didn't want to give up my firstborn to Frozen. Um, I wasn't willing to make that sacrifice. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Frozen 2, I was kind of like, sure, why not? Uh, I'm kind of sad that... I don't know what the last original Disney film was. Is it Moana? That seems so long ago. But, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're still here. Um, I don't know. I, 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 was, I, I was interested to go back to those characters. But then leading up to all of this, I was like, ah, I gotta go see Frozen 2. Which is not like, ugh, I have to go see this animated movie. It's, ugh, I have to go to this movie, probably alone as a 25-year-old, and sit in this child-filled theater 
seemed to work out okay. Yeah, I sat in uh, the front-ish row, and then children came to sat and sit near me, and then when I started crying, the family left. Well, you know. <laughs> Listen, movie, movies are emotional. Very emotional. Also, like, children kept coming up behind me, because I was in the, like, where that row was, like, where the walking space. Uh-huh. They kept, like, coming up behind me, and I was like, what the Careful, kid. I'm like... <laughs> we had one that was kicking our chair for almost the entirety of the second half of the movie. Did you ask him to stop? Well, the parent was. And so I was like, well, the parent seems to be doing their job. I would have turned around and said, knock it off. And I would have turned back around. There you go. See, like, like parents aren't so scary, but, like, complete strangers. <laughs> what if I just turned around and did the eye thing? What if I just said this? Want me to let Santa know about this? Oh, that's a good one. And then just turn back around. Maybe I should just start, like, wearing a Santa hat everywhere this time of year. Just, like, pull it out and be like, excuse me, young lad. (laughs) And then just pull out a list. (laughs) I like this bit. This is a good one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about doing it. Okay. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. uh... Uh, and then, like, the trailers came out, and I was like, uh, looks dark. (laughs) Looks like we're going down a dark, depressing path. (laughs) Um, yeah. I think I saw one, one trailer for this movie. Um, maybe I saw more than that. But I feel like the only one that I remember is the one where Elsa is trying to run up the wave. That's yeah. the only one that I remember. That's all I know. Yeah. Um, and then, like, you see some, like, shots of, like, other things happening. But, like, that's about it. Yeah. I will say that Disney has done, I think, over the last three or four years... I lied. I saw another one. It also didn't give plot away. <laughs> that's good. I had the troll talking and being like, hopefully Elsa's powers don't mess everything up. <laughs> <laughs> um... Disney, since the rise of spoiler culture, I think has done a really good job with its trailers of making it seem like they're giving away more than what they actually are. Because I will say for the, the past Star Wars trailers, because I can't rate the current ones, um, I don't know. Um, really, you thought that you were getting a lot of information, but I really don't think you are getting that much information. And so I really like that well, that's, that's Disney's trend. That's because they only throw in one, they throw in one or two shots that are like, like super important. Like yeah. the first one, the first of like Force Awakens, cause I saw those. I have never seen a Jedi, last Jedi trailer. But like with that, it's John Boyega coming up. And then later I was like, he can't be a stormtrooper. And we were like, what? And then uh, yes. the other thing that, like, my favorite bit of ours was that Kylo Ren's lightsaber pops up and we were like, yeah! <laughs> Arguments ensue! Um, I will say the thing that they have been doing with Marvel trailers is that they start editing characters in and out of those trailers. And I'm like, I don't... What? No, stop. Yeah, we don't need it. Yeah. Just, things are fine. Just don't show it if you don't want to show it. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So that being said, uh, Frozen 2, I don't know, it was going to exist. I can't say that I was looking forward to it more than any other Disney animated film. Like, there's one coming up that I'm actually looking forward to 
it's oh, man, I don't remember the name. It's like Rhea and the something dragon. It's got Aquafina in it. And like that one, after reading a little bit about it and noticing, it, I was like, oh, that one I'm actually like looking forward to, like as a movie, not just like as a Disney movie. Um, Rhea and the Last Dragon. Rhea and the Last Dragon. Um, Frozen 2, I was like, oh, Disney's releasing a movie, a Disney animated movie. I will see it because I like Disney animated movies. I can't say that prior to this movie, I was really excited about spending time with these characters again. And that my reason for that is... Olaf's Frozen Adventure and Frozen After After, which were shorts that aired prior to movies that had been released. I didn't hate either of them, but I didn't love either of them either. I was like, cool, these characters continue to exist in pop culture, and that's about what I felt about them. Money. I felt like this was a money grab, and I don't think that's wrong. I think it's a good money grab, but I don't think it's anything but a money grab. And in that way of, to start to jump into the film a little bit, it takes a good two musical numbers to really set up, maybe three musical numbers, to really set up why we're back here, what we're doing, and how we're doing it. Um, there's not a natural jumping off point for a sequel. The first Frozen does a really nice job of wrapping everything up. So they kind of have to do a little bit of character backtracking in order to get this sequel to work. And I'm okay with that to an extent because the journey that we take is definitely worthwhile. but it was a little bit of a rocky start to get into for me. I agree. Yeah. Um, I also think the setup of it was... The setup, for me, there were some things that were not clear. Okay. Because they're using some more of... They're using some more abstract <laughs> ideas mm -hmm. in this film. Yeah. And... Uh, I, I it didn't feel like I understood what that meant, and there are some things that are introduced that I don't think I understand what they are. Yeah. Um. It also where in the first one, I I, I should probably backtrack. I was gonna say in the first one, it takes a while before like fantasy stuff starts happening, but there's trolls immediately, and I know that she has powers, but whatever. Yeah. Um. But like. It felt like a lot of the fantasy elements, like, at the beginning, then there's a dip other than her magic powers, and then, like, we meet Olaf, and yeah. fantasy element again. But here it was, like, introducing lots of fantasy, different fantasy stuff all at once. Yeah. That didn't, that didn't all connect all the way. Yeah. It feels like they have a lot of, they're interested in building up the lore of this world. So they have a lot of that to do. And that's kind of a little bit of the function that the trolls, because the trolls are in this stupid movie. I'm sorry, the movie's not stupid. The stupid trolls are in this movie. Um, and their function is just to be like, magic, it exists. 
here's a brief explanation before you can do the plot. And fine, fine enough that you're going to bring them back. They're, they are a part of the first film, so let them be a part of this film. They, I mean, the the kind of, like, leader of the Trolls character isn't the worst one, so great, whatevs. Um, He's pretty much the only one that talks. In this film, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, as we get going with this movie, I think one of the interesting things that I felt was I had a changing of feeling in the sense that I was really, though I didn't think I was going to enjoy spending time with these characters again, I actually did. I did enjoy being with these characters. And particularly Anna, I really, it was like her arc and story in this film was really grounding to a lot of the things that were happening and then I found myself super emotionally invested in her and her story um and that was something that I just wasn't expecting to want to be like yeah let's find out where Anna Elsa Kristoff Olaf like where they are and what they're doing I was enjoyed that element of the film surprisingly Anna in particular has a song in this film which <clears throat> Which really reminds me of the Let It Go song, whereas Let It Go is a song more about uh, the fantasy of how we want to deal with, like, the bad things in life and, like, like the things that stress us out. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's how we want to feel. But, yeah. like, I feel like Anna's song is the much more realistic and responsible version of that song as to, like, how you actually... Yeah. Deal with things. And I thought that was very interesting. It's my favorite moment of the movie is that is her, I think it's her second solo song of the movie. I think it's called Do the Next, Do the Next Right Thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it comes at a moment in the movie where you are expecting something along those lines. And yet at the same point, it's just, I was really, Frozen goes to some, Frozen 2 goes to some darker places and how they deal with those darker places I think is what makes the movie a more emotionally complex film than the first one which I like that nature I like that of this film that it's a more emotionally complex film it means that our characters are becoming deeper and they're becoming more interesting and they're becoming more well-rounded I will say that Something that does, I think, detract in some ways is, is you've got this more complex emotional plot, but you've also got this more complex plot itself that kind of meanders and gets lost. And I, I, it, I don't think the plotting of this movie moves along at a really satisfactory, satisfactory pace. I think it kind of pulls the characters to where they need to go. And there's a lot of elements of this film and this script in particular that just feel really, really telegraphed and really, really forced. And I am not saying that that's not every Disney animated movie under the sun, because a lot of them you can walk in and beat for beat know this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to happen. But the with Frozen 2, it literally set, it does so many of the like script writing tropes and 
foreshadowing and guideposts that just like for me i'm sitting there watching this movie and i not only know beat for beat how the story is going to go i was literally like oh this moment's going to happen here this moment like the the seams were really really showing in the script of this movie and i don't expect kids to like be like oh my gosh this happened that means this is gonna happen i'm not expecting that by any means but me as an adult audience member i was frustrated in that only sense of like oh i know what's gonna happen and i know how it's gonna happen now and i know what events that we're going to be looking for um it just yeah and that that bothered me to to an extent which is why i think the character work then shines in frozen 2 uh-huh it exists mm-hmm. let's dive in okay um there were s- some songs that stuck out uh-huh. and there were many that did not uh-huh um and Yep. I, uh, there, there was probably, there's probably two or three that I liked. They're actually all pretty close to each other. Um. I agree with that. Like, there's some, like, Olaf's song, like, sounds like his song in the first one, but, like, it's on a new topic, and so it just kind of feels like, oh, we're doing the Olaf song. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was kind of funny, and, like, ha ha. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now I'm stressed about life again. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Um, Kristoff, who didn't really have a song in the first one other than singing his reindeer song. Uh-huh. It's a full song, and I uh, thought uh, Disney could keep it. Um, <laughs> and then there's the We're All Happy, Nothing Bad's Gonna Happen to Us song. Uh-huh. <laughs> And those are my thoughts. <laughs> I think that the music on the whole is less iconic. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily mean that think that it's less good, good or bad, but it's less iconic. And in in some ways, that will hurt this film because we Anne and I then spent the evening listening to the soundtrack after the movie was done, and I just I can't quite figure out like what. If there is going to be a let it go from this, like, which one it's going to end up being. Because, so Elsa has two solo songs. She's mm-hmm. got the big Panic at the Disco covered into the unknown. And she's got Show Yourself, which comes later in the film. And I think that, for from my point of view, Into the Unknown seems very structurally similar to let it go it serves a really similar purpose about her trying to go out and answer a call that she feels with inside herself and though she's a little bit further down her emotional journey she's still feeling this call to go be who she truly is that song to me then feels a little repetitive Mm -hmm. because I already have let it go. And I get that we need to incite the incidents of this movie as well, but it just didn't quite feel as stirring and emotional as, as let it go considering it's really similarly uh, structured. It's also not stirring and emotional because let it go has the, 
has <clears throat> let it go has a setup to it where uh elsa has been put at her lowest point mm -hmm. and for into the unknown that is not the case yes um because into the unknown happens pretty early on in the film and so like elsa just seems worried and that's the only emotion we really see from elsa at the beginning yeah. and then oh okay this happens i think that the better version i like the song when her second solo song Show yourself more me too um because that one feels like there's an emotional weight because we've had more time with elsa mm -hmm. to build up this tension and like this emotional want from her and it feels like show yourself is a natural progression from let it go because mm -hmm. let it go is a song that is all about accepting who you are within yourself and being okay to be comfortable with you and your choices show yourself then is that next step in that journey which is you're comfortable with yourself. Now you get to share yourself with the world. Mm -hmm. And I really like that song as a natural progression to where her character is and goes in this movie and or and her arc in general. And that's why for me, that is by far the more powerful of her two songs. I, I again agree with what we said earlier that Do the Next Right Thing, which is Anna's song, is I think the strongest song in the piece. It is the most emotionally relevant and like just really hits you with this nice gut punch of like, who, this is what we're doing at this point. And, and it shows, for me, what I've always liked about Anna and what this film doubles down on, she doesn't have magic powers. She is just a character who is surviving on her wit and her strength and her love for the people that are around her. She's not necessarily a character who has any necessary other great magical supernatural being or power. She's just herself and surviving in the world. And what she knows she can do is care and lead and be a good person in the world and i really appreciate that about anna um lost in the woods good old christoph's song uh sung by jonathan groff who is a tony nominated uh broadway actor um who uh can sing really well and really beautifully uh and it's clear that they gave christoph a song in this movie because he didn't get one in the first movie so they're like we gotta give christoph a song out of context <laughs> of the movie, I like this song. It's fun to listen to. And, like, the ideas that it is putting forth about him not needing to, like, he's not worried that, like, she's run away and their relationship's going to fall apart. He's worried about her and like he is now lost because he doesn't have her with him you know it is not necessarily a song about a guy being like i need to go save and protect my my woman and i appreciate that about the song it's him showing emotional vulnerability yes what i don't like about the presentation of the song is it's presented as a bit it's presented as a bit in the middle of a really emotional sequence in this movie. Kristoff is not Olaf. He should not be given the bits, I don't believe. 
he's fine and funny. <laughs> but like No no bit points? <laughs> I don't sorry, I don't need an eighties power ballad in the middle of my very traditional musical. What, what, what are you doing? What are you, what are you pulling out over there? What? This one does it, too. <laughs> There's an 80s power ballad? Kind of. There's a glam rock power ballad in the middle of this film. Yeah. <laughs> it's also my least favorite moment of Moana. It, it took me back to a Moana time, and I was like, this is what we're doing? <laughs> Tremaine Clement, are you back? <laughs> Shiny. <laughs> And so, out of context, I like the song better than I do in context. Uh, you said at the beginning when we were talking about the music section we were talking about here that the mu- songs in Frozen 2 are more consistent. I really agree with that. I don't even... Even um, the Olaf song and this Lost in the Woods song, though I think are my le- two least favorite songs of the musical, they're nowhere near Fixer Upper. Like, and they're, like, there's just, like, the music of Frozen 1 goes so up and down, and, like, there's really only four songs that are, three, four songs that are worthwhile there. And then in Frozen 2... In Frozen 1. Yeah. yeah. Let it go. First time in forever. Uh Uh-huh. The love is an open door, and then you're probably going to say build a snowman. Yeah. Yeah. I am. (laughs) <laughs> yeah listen do you want to build a snowman if it wasn't overplayed or if it wasn't like over referenced actually is a really em- good it's serves very, an emotional plot it's a very good setup yes mm-hmm. it's a good song for a musical mm-hmm. it is not necessarily the best one to just like listen to on repeat I agree um, I think it is I think it is the definition of necessary to make this film and it isn't the worst way to set up the film. I was, I, I'm, I, man, I feel like I'm negging it. <laughs> and I'm not trying to. I really, like, I, I I don't like, I don't love the song. However, when I'm watching Frozen, it's like, yeah, th- this is the only way we could possibly do this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and Anne had a really good point, too, because we were talking about the Lopez's. So uh, Kristen and Robert Lopez, who do the music uh, for both Frozen films, uh, they're really good. Her point, which I really liked, was they're really good at transitional songs, and meaning that like a character is transitioning or we're transitioning locations or things because their their melodies and their rhythms are kind of all over the place at times, and they're not really consistent. And when you listen to the, a lot of the songs out of context, there's not a lot of re-listenability that's not a word but like it's not necessarily the most fun things to re-listen to unless you have the emotional rooted core to the songs they're they don't often write i was trying to think of like something like man this is the the first one that pops into my brain but something like send in the clowns which is from a musical it's from a little night music but like the joker it's not from the joker (laughs) It is from the Joker now. It is in the Joker. <laughs> um, but, like, that song has a life outside of its musical world. Like, we know that as a Frank Sinatra song. Um, whereas, I don't think anyone's jamming to the Demi Lovato version of Let It Go. No, we're doing the Idina Menzel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The greatest, one of our greatest Disney singers? Well, maybe. <laughs> See, I didn't want to say singers because I didn't have any proof to back it up. I mean, she has a really good voice. It Mm -hmm. is. She's... 
okay, I, I... She's a very powerful voice. She does have a very powerful voice, and I'm gonna say some sentences where, like, I'm so sorry, musical theater world. She has a beautiful voice. She's really good at belting. Like, she's great for what she yep, is. She's a, she is the belter, and that is what we have created her career around. I wouldn't necessarily say that she's, like, the strongest singer in all the land, but I think she's a beautiful singer. I will actually even go as far as, for my personal taste, Kristen Bell does a better job. And I only say that because Kristen Bell, I think, can not only hit the notes that she's asked to do, she adds a lot more personality and character to them, whereas I always know when Idina Menzel is singing. There is very few times that I've ever just listened to Idina Menzel and been like, ah, yes. A character is here. And those few times are probably wicked. Um, Rent one where she has that weird song about jumping over the moon. Do do not like weird spoken poetry song. There is also not a clear-cut villain, which is what they almost did in the first Frozen. (laughs) And then they were like, psych! However, and and like, that, that annoyed me for a while. However... I'm older and I'm wiser and I, I think I understand why the villain had to be there because they're kind of, they're, they're comparing the two sisters because one of them shuts in all of her emotions and doesn't let anyone in and the other one shows all of her emotions and let anyone in and there's the dangers of both of them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the point, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's why Kristoff has, or Hans? Yeah, Hans. 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 He has a line. Yeah. Good job. One. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say something, not okay. a spoiler. In this film, Elsa looks back on her past of Let It Go, and she is embarrassed by it, and I did not appreciate that. I agree Disney. with that. I agree with that. That was, that is the scrap you pulled with Wreck-It Ralph 2. Yeah, I, she should be, I think she should be proud of it. Well, and the other interesting thing is, is you mentioned that Frozen 2 doesn't necessarily have, like, a character representing a villain, per se. Mm-hmm. They do have an idea that is representative of a villain. Comes out right before Thanksgiving, huh? Oh, interesting. I wonder... I mean, I I think that it is highly intentional. I agree. Um, It is really nice that that is something that the film does try to address. Now, I don't... I'm not going to go full on and say, like, it is a takedown by any means. But I think if you're trying to portray, uh, put the modern sensibility on this movie, it's a good thing to bring in there and put up, uh, put forth to everybody as well. It's also, in a weird way, a health, it's a, it's a healthy next step towards the films like, I don't know, Fern Gully and Pocahontas that were really trying to, like, put forward a nature-first message. And this is not only a nature-first message, but it's, like, nature-first, but also these are the people that are destroying it. Maybe stop them. Or try. I think Frozen represents a lot of things to a lot of different people, and it hits a lot of quadrants really well. I don't ever think, for me... It comes together in the most successful of ways. Frozen 1, Frozen 2, or both? Yes. Okay. Both. It. I like bits and pieces of both of these movies. Mm-hmm. I don't ever love them as a whole. So, like, when I'm watching them or re-watching them, I always, my attention and focus kind of really d- comes in and out 
towards the stuff that I'm more interested and intrigued in. For right now, Frozen 2, to maybe kind of start to wrap up a little bit on just the soul Frozen 2 talk, Frozen 2 feels a little bit lesser than Frozen 1 in the ways of... Um, I don't... Originality. Originality. Music. Music. Storytelling. Script functions. I even think the animation, while some segments are gorgeous... Others are lit really strangely, and it's fairly uninspired world design at times. Now, that doesn't include, I think, any of the water sequences with Elsa. I think those are beautiful. Oh my gosh, there was a real pipe, 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 piper moment <laughs> as I watched it. I went, <gasps> with the water, and I was like... Oh, when this gets nominated for Best Animated Picture, you better just show that water <laughs> droplets. Yes. <laughs> and, and so there is some really good work being done. Uh, it, it, it takes these characters and it takes them into another step towards realism that I'm just not sure if is necessary or needed or helpful in telling the Frozen story. Another thing yeah. that I think is important is that uh, for for me, a lot of times what really sticks is how well the ending of a film lands. Um, I think that Frozen, the first one, does a better job of ending and sending its message. Mm -hmm. And the ending of this film, it didn't feel it didn't feel as earned. In some ways, there were some. There's yeah. one particular plot point where I was like, "But that character never showed that that's what she wanted." Yeah. And so, like, it, it was it was just it was just the ending of this kind of threw me, and I was like, "Okay." Yeah. Um. If you had to sit down. Oh, okay. And you were to and you could watch one. Mm -hmm. Would you watch Frozen or Frozen Two? Do I? Can I watch both? Um, it's kind of <laughs> late. You don't know if you're going to be able to stay up for both. Oh, so here's what's happening. We've started Revenge of the Sith. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know uh -huh. it. Yeah, yeah. So we've started Revenge of the Sith, and we finally get to the good part and draw shit tight tight. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um... If I could only watch, I'd watch the first one because I watch things in order. <laughs> I'm not some heathen. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think I might just put in a, uh, put in two. Why not? Okay. <laughs> I like one better. Third One's a better movie. Third option. Okay. The thing in front of Coco. Oh Can yeah. I watch that. Frozen's Olaf. <laughs> Frozen's Olaf's Frozen Adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Olaf's Fro Frozen Olaf's Adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, is Idris Elba in this? Is that Idris Elba? Is that someone else? No, it's Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown. That yep. is who it is. Yeah. Okay. He's um, a character. <laughs> so Anne and I had some fun with uh, playing character age. Guess the character's age. The actor playing them. Okay. So. Um, King and Queen of Arendelle. 50. Are played by Alfred Molina and Evan Rachel Wood. How old are they? So, Alfred Molina is in his 60s. Evan Rachel Wood is in her 30s. Alright, but Evan Rachel Wood is playing Elsa's mom. Mm -hmm. Idina Menzel... 50. ...is in her 40s. Guys, guys. She might not sing in Uncut Gems. 
<laughs> uh, and uh, Kristen Bell and Jonathan Groff are like my age. They're all in their th- like. It's just it's this with this weird of like, what are you doing? Kristen Bell might be my favorite actress that no that doesn't get ton of recognition as being good. Yeah, I, but we all just are kind of like, yeah, Kristen Bell's great. Yeah, I, she's wonderful. She's just kind of fallen through. And she's also, I think what's really interesting is she's very open about her relationship with Dax Shepard and talking about the struggles of their marriage. Um which a lot of times that's only true when it's after the fact like a marriage has been like that we've divorced or one of the people is dead. Right. These are my thoughts. I think that Kristen Bell uh, here's my not so hot take. I think Kristen Bell has the career that Sarah Michelle Gellar wanted. Like yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they both start out in like these similar like TV TV ways where they have Teen TV shows. Teen TV cult hit shows Mm -hmm. and then Sarah Michelle Gellar kind of does a few like things while she's on television but then really kind of goes under the radar and Kristen Bell just continues to just bubble up and like does a cool thing here and there and like I, I'm, she's on TV. She's in movies. She's just kind of a, a personality. I like Kristen Bell. I like Kristen Bell a lot. From what I've seen of Sarah Michelle Gellar's uh, social media things, she seems pretty happy with where she's at now. Yeah, absolutely. Even though her career didn't go that way. Yeah. She's also married to Freddie Prince Jr. So I mean, like, still, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I thought I I thought I read that they divorced. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know. I could be making it up in my brain, but like, I, I thought I'd be I read so somewhere. So sad. I'm just gonna walk off your balcony. No, don't do that. Wikipedia says they're still married. Okay, okay. <laughs> we're gonna trust. We're gonna trust Wikipedia. Why? How else do I look this up? <laughs> There's no IMDb for marriage. <laughs> no, Wikipedia is the source that I use. Okay. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. All right. Um. Let's transition a little bit. So, we wanted to talk about Sleeping Beauty and Little Mermaid also in this episode. So, in an every 30-year cycle, Disney... A Slayer is born. And A Slayer is born. Disney has released a princess movie. Um, So, 59, Sleeping Beauty. 89, Little Mermaid. 2019, Frozen 2. Okay, so as of September 26th, there's this video on YouTube which says, Sarah Michelle Gellar spills her secret to her happy marriage. Okay, phew. Yeah. All right, okay. Gosh, why did you worry me like that? I don't know. Why? Okay. Maybe I was confusing her with Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Phillippe, because they're certainly divorced. <laughs> I can't beat it. Okay, so <laughs> here's where we're at. We're going to compare how the treatment of the princesses is that what we were doing okay or just comparing them and like looking at how it's changed and morph and sharing our thoughts and blah 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 yes i think all of the okay. above to that one <laughs> can i i want to start with this sentence okay i think that if you are looking at the treatment of princesses and or women and or society in general in these movies frozen 2 is clearly the 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 winner of that category it is also my least favorite of the three. Um, so just because you may like nail all the societal norms, I don't think that qualifies you to be a great movie. I somewhat disagree, Josh. Okay. I think Sleeping Beauty does an 
pretty interesting job of portraying women. Oh, interesting. And All right. let's talk about why. Yeah, let's go. Sleeping Beauty. So, Sleeping Beauty has maybe a protagonist or a main <laughs> character. Yeah. It's really hard to say. I think it's the, the Her three Her name fairies. is Meriwether. Yeah, Meriwether. <laughs> Um, the blue one, right? Yeah. Okay. The ones, the, the the characters that we follow the most in this film, and we actually kind of pass the baton between different characters throughout the film, and so it's more of like an ensemble piece. But the characters I think we spend the most time with are the three fairies, uh-huh. and I think it's just kind of interesting because in a lot of ways, in a lot of movies, and especially animated movies, we don't always spend time with a lot of older characters, yeah. especially older women. Yeah. And women who don't fit the mold of like attractive young woman. Right. Um, and I just think that that's very interesting. And I think that they're, they're all given like their own like flaws in a way, but like they feel like characters and they're fun to interact with. And I think that they're actually pretty decent female characters. I would agree with you in that sense. Thank you. I don't think that, um... They don't have much of an arc, but it's really interesting to see the lengths that they are willing to go to to protect the person that they love. I agree with you. (laughs) I don't think that Sleeping Beauty, when looked at in the context of its time, Mm -hmm. would be considered, or even now, I don't think it's considered all that problematic. At the end of the day. Sleeping Beauty, I think it's a lot of flack because Aurora as a character has 18 lines. Ooh, it's the second lowest title character outside of Dumbo who doesn't talk. Great, cool. I hear that argument. I'm with you. But I want to throw the words Coco out there. Because Coco... I want to throw the word <laughs> Saving Private Ryan out yeah. there. Like, it is, she is the title character. She is not necessarily the main character. In fact, she's kind of... Like, this, I think, is the problematic element of Sleeping Beauty. Not that she's not speaking... But as a character, she is presented as pretty much only a trophy and a prize to be won. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is the problematic element of Sleeping Beauty. And again, I agree with you that I think that uh, Flora, Fauna, Meriwether, Maleficent, they're all really interesting, fascinating female characters who are leading and empowering this movie. And at the end of the day... King Stefan and Prince Philip are really just tools that they're in the way. They're either obstacles or tools. That's all they are. Um, they're either saving the princess or putting obstacles in the way for Maleficent. Like, that's really what the men function as in this movie. So, so I, like, well, as I was watching it, I took it less of, like, this is a, a princess movie because I don't think that Aurora is... I don't think that Aurora is the main character, and that's fine, because the whole point of the film is what do you do for the people that you love? Yeah. What lengths do you go to? And I think I that that's, that that's a good message. And, like, so, like, this was my first time ever seeing it. Uh-huh. I have seen the opening, I realized, because I remember Prince Philip walking up to the baby and going, ugh, and I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, me. Me too, Philip. Also, that moment where they're like, Prince Philip, you'll marry that baby. And he was like, what? No. I'm like, yeah. 
Um, and so, like, I had always heard, like, oh, she only speaks, like, two times <laughs> in the movie. And I was like, well, I guess it sucks. <laughs> but, like, and I realized that, like, that's not the point. She's not... She is a driving force, but she's not the thing that we're supposed to, like, take out and remember of that film. Yeah. Um, I think that in having this conversation, what I would hope that if you're listening to this and you can take away from it is, I think that nuance is really important in these conversations. I'm glad that we can have them, but one of the reasons why I get frustrated with internet culture is because there's not a lot of nuance to the conversation. You get, like, these assumptions of, like, of that Beauty and the Beast is Stockholm Syndrome, and then you don't explore that any further, and then when the company itself then gives credence to it by trying to undo it with their remake... Then that's where the pro- that's a problem all in itself is that they're not engaging in a nuanced conversation about their movies and about their films. They're not willing to say, and I love what you said. I love that like Sleeping Beauty is how far will you go for the person that for a person that you love, and in in really similar ways. You could say that as a theme that is explored more or less successfully in all three of these movies. Um, and, and I really, I, I like that as this overarching thesis of what maybe some of these movies are about. And with Frozen 2 in particular, and they started this in Frozen 1, but with Frozen 2, that how far will you go for the person you love isn't the traditional love story between Kristoff and Anna. It is the sister relationship between Anna and Elsa. And it is how far that you will go. And I think that is my one of my favorite lines of that whole movie is where they get in that, that brief argument where Elsa's like, you can't run into fire, Anna. And she's like, she's like, you can't follow me into fire. And then Anna's like, well then don't go into fire. Cause like, I'm going to go with you no matter what you do. You know, we didn't bring up an important Olaf line that I think is very oh, important. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Where he says, I am angry. And then my oh. heart. <sighs> and I was like, Oh, because like Inside Out dealt with sadness, <laughs> but Frozen's here to talk deal with anger. Now I'm just imagining at this moment he's sitting on this boat and like joy. His version of joy with the carrot nose is there, and she's just, she doesn't know what to do. And like Lewis Black just comes over <laughs> and is like, "I got this now." <laughs> Elsa left us! Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is important because. Yeah. I, that, oh, oh. Like, how do you explain to a child, like, yeah, it's okay to be angry at yeah. times? Um, I also like that it's in a way of, like, don't. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing about when uh, movies where a child is angry, uh, the, the ideal is like, oh, just take your anger out by punching this pillow. Because that eventually teaches them every time you're angry, you just punch something. No. <laughs> and that's yeah. the opposite. And I that I thought I appreciated this. Olaf this. expresses his anger in a really healthy way. He talks about it. And then Anna has a really good response. I don't remember her specific response, but she's you like You should be Yeah, she's like, You should be mad. It's okay. Feel those feelings. Yeah. Good 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 boy. Um Little Mermaid. <laughs> okay, so yes. Uh, before we move completely away from Sleeping Beauty... Um, animation's I, great. Animation's beautiful. It really is. I have to say it on the podcast. It's one of my favorite things. 
I don't know if the, the, the story itself doesn't always work for me personally. Mm-hmm. It gets a little dull and slow at times, and I will totally admit that. Yeah, when we have to talk between the stupid kings who are like, I'd build a castle for them to get married. I'm like, well, yes. you're dumb. Yes. <laughs> oh, that whole scene is so boring. <laughs> I agree. Get back to the lady fairies. We are going to take this down. It really survives on three gorgeous set pieces. Um, the opening sequence, uh, and then where Maleficent comes in for the first time, and then the, I think the dress sequence, where, where they're, like, using their magic to make the dress and the cake, and then the dragon sequence at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, those are just stunningly beautiful pieces of, mm-hmm. of uh, of art. Yeah. Also, uh, this is the first time that, uh, a dude gets a character in, uh, in one of these, like, quote-unquote princess movies, because, like, before they were both just named Prince Charming, and they were pretty boys over there. Oh, somebody said, who was it? It was, I can't remember which Frozen 2 cast member said this, but they were in an interview with um, Jonathan Groff and they were talking about Kristoff as a character and they said, yeah, what's really nice about him is he's not Prince Charming, he's Prince Understanding. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that. That was nice. Okay. Um, Little Mermaid. Yep. It exists. As a movie. I don't love this film. Okay. And in fact, I've talked about how I hate this film. Yes. And upon rewatching this, I still don't care much for this film, but those... The music's baller. The music is baller. Like, I... Okay. I, I, I gotta give it credit. Like, I... When are... When, I love... I love Under the Sea. I love humming it, because I don't know the words. I go... That's all I got. Can't go too far. Disney will strike us. Um... Um, Good thing Nintendo's never listened to our theme song. <laughs> I I don't like the... As I was watching it, I don't like the way that Ariel is designed. You had a really good point about who... Was it Ariel and Belle? Mm-hmm. Um, how the... So, yeah. one of the things... So, like, my understanding of how Dan, Disney animated films... I don't know if it's still true or in the past... But, like, there was, like, one lead animator yes. who pretty much animated a... You you animate a character throughout. Yes. And so what it was is, like, princesses like Ariel and Jasmine were animated by um, two straight men, while Belle, the lead animator, I believe, was a gay man. Yeah. And when you look at the designs of the characters, Belle looks much more like a person. Yes. <laughs> and Ariel... Um, and I, so I just... I don't love... I don't love the animation of her, especially when she's a mermaid. When she is a person, uh-huh. it's a little better, mostly because now she has clothes on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was that was something that I didn't remember as a child, but now I was looking at, it, I was like, whoa. Yeah, I definitely will say that I, growing up watching this movie, this is probably Little Mermaid is probably the first Disney animated movie I see in theaters. I agree. Um, because <laughs> I'm four. Uh, um, I'm pretty sure I see a re-release because oh, yeah. one of the f- one of the earliest memories. I have two early memories of being in a theater. I have three early memories of being in a theater. One, we're buying a ticket, and there's flounder as like a as a window sticker, and there's Ariel as a uh-huh. window sticker, which leads me to believe I saw Little Mermaid re-released. Okay. Two, I have a memory of watching the Rugrats the movie. In a theater, and my mom fell asleep. Three. Uh-huh. I remember seeing Tarzan in theater, which is 1999, so I'm five, and I was terrified. The jaguar terrified me. Still terrified of jaguars. I. 
the other night going through Disney Plus, one of the screens was a jaguar. And Kyla's like, nope, we're going past. And I was like, fair enough, I know there's snakes coming. We'll go past those two. Um, so I definitely say as a kid, I did not realize how... I keep looking for a little mermaid over here. I'm like, gosh, where is it? It's over it's there. It's over here still, yeah. Um, it goes right in between Oliver and Company and the DuckTales movie. Which the DuckTales movie is not in canon, everybody. It's just over there because that's I, my brain. Um, I'm not gonna... I, I will defend this movie in, I think, the, in 80s context. I think that if you look at Sleeping Beauty... She... If we just look at the character Sleepy Beauty. Yeah. That movie represents the 50s really well. If you look at Anna and Elsa, I think that they represent 2019 really well. Ariel feels like a really contemporary 80s character. Like, if somebody was like, yeah, she was voiced by Molly Ringwald, I would have been like, well, yeah. Of course That makes sense. Of course. Um, she wasn't. It's Jodie Benson. Um... So within that being said, I think that there are steps taken towards where we end up getting to in the Renaissance with our princess characters and even beyond with Ariel. Because yes, fairly quickly within the first 30 to 35 minutes of the movie, she meets Eric and that becomes her purpose uh, to one of her purposes to get on land. But my defense of Ariel has always been she wants to be on land and in the human world prior to meeting Eric. So that is, Eric is the catalyst for her wanting to go on land. Not, or for her like finally getting the plan in place to go on land rather than her just having this want or desire. And so I don't love the idea of solely wrapping her up as a character who's just trying to, like, get her man. That's the way that the that Ursula frames it, and Ursula is the villain. She's great. She is. Let me tell you, so yeah. tell you something about Ursula. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> I... Ursula is a very interesting concept as Ursula is seems very okay with who she is yeah. and very positive because she has the choice to be able to transform herself to look like anything and I just I think that Ursula great <laughs> goat <laughs> the Disney villains of these two films wonderful 10 out of 10 yeah, we do get two of the greatest Disney villains here where we talk about Maleficent and Ursula. Mm -hmm. Who else are great Disney villains? Uh, Jafar, Scar. Jafar, Scar. The Snow White's iconic. Um, yeah, the, the evil, evil the, stepmother. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, Lady Tremaine and Cinderella. Mm -hmm. Hades. The guy in Quasimodo <laughs> in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Frollo, Frollo. yes. Yeah, uh-huh. I wanted to say Fiero, and that's the guy she sings about in Wicked. <laughs> I would go as far as to say joining that canon in maybe the lower echelons of it is Hans. I actually think Hans is probably a top ten. Like, he's nine or ten, but he's probably a top ten Disney villain. You've got Cruella's up there um, as, like, really iconic. Um, Gaston. Gaston. Gaston's a really big one. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not. Maybe Hans is getting bumped out. But, like, I think Hans is pretty good. Hans is the best villain that we have since a long time. 
<laughs> well, because like Moana's villain is is I don't know everybody who's not named Moana or Tafiti. The Rock. The Rock. Yes. Yeah. The villain is the, the rock. rock. Well, he's the antagonist <laughs> of the film. Moana doesn't have a true true villain. Um, Big Hero Six's villain is I don't know Professor Man with scary robots. Um, Frozen. Frozen. Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph villain is... King Candy. Oh, King Candy's pretty good, but I don't... Yeah. Winnie the Pooh? I was gonna say... Is the, a hole? <laughs> the back scene. Uh, uh, the Shadow Man from Princess and the Frog okay. might also be Mother up. Gothel? Mother Gothel? Oh, is people her like her. Yeah, absolutely. Bolt? <laughs> Bolt is the villain himself. Oh, fame? No, I... Maybe it's a little hamster in a ball. I... There's a section of Disney that I just, like, can't keep... T- like, I keep looking that they're all together, and I'm just like, how did you not, like, just die as a company? And it's from... With the exception of me, of Lilo and Stitch. Yep. And the Emperor's New Groove, really. Yeah, it's... Tarzan. <laughs> all the way until... Princess and the Frog made waves. Like, uh-huh. people were interested, but I don't think that that did particularly well. Yeah. Tangled's the one that, like... Br- brings us back. Yeah. Um, Princess and the Frog serves a really similar v- uh, value as Great Mouse Detective. Because Great Mouse Detective... Or, sorry, Oliver and Company, not Great Mouse Detective. Oliver and Company comes right before The Little Mermaid. And so you're like... It kind of gets people interested and they kind of start to turn the wheels towards what they're going to do, but it doesn't quite burst through in the way that Tangled and Little Mermaid do. Um, all right. Um, another thing is that, so Ariel is the protagonist of the Little Mermaid. Um, she doesn't really have a character arc. Correct. Um, it doesn't feel like she learns anything. I mean, other than don't sign a contract without fully reading it yeah um but like it's something that like you know listening to her part of your world she makes the she makes the phrase like on land where they don't reprimand their daughters and i'm like it seems a lot better down here you should (laughs) stay here listen to sebastian (laughs) um and so like I was kind of hoping that she would get onto land and she would see that maybe it's not as great as she once thought it was, and then she'd act, she'd have to make the choice. But yeah. we the, the, they don't do that, and so Ariel herself doesn't get to change. It's really like King Triton's has the character growth. I mean, if he his character growth is he trusts his daughter now. Yeah, you know, um, bad parenting choice. Yeah, she is sixteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There, there is a lot of aesthetics about The Little Mermaid that just don't work. Mm-hmm. And the moment you dive into it, it, it almost seems more regressive than Sleeping Beauty does, which happens 30 years earlier. And I wonder how much of a fact of, like, the 80s in the Reagan era is a pretty conservative, regressive time. And, like, Anne and I were, like, making comments about, like, how things didn't make sense. And then I would yell... It's a very fairy tale. We don't take it literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, there, there's just things. Even at the very basic story level, I would have liked to see Ariel have a character arc yes. or a, a growth. But essentially, once she loses her voice, I mm-hmm. feel like anything that she's gonna change is kind of wow. Good jump. <laughs> is kind of lost. Yeah. She becomes in it similar to Aurora in the sense that she's just a. Pr- 
tries to be one at that point. And I don't think it's an issue that she loses her voice and she can't talk, and so Eric can't listen to her. I don't. Those are those are always arguments. I think that they have a way of communicating with one another, even yeah. though she can't speak, and like it's clear and apparent, and blah 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 blah. My always crazy thing is like, how did they never? How was she never able to communicate? Like, I can talk in three days. Like. Because his whole thing is like, oh, you don't sound like the person before. And I'm like, three days. Yeah, why didn't she write it down on a piece of paper? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, fair. All of that, yes. Um, um, also, Ur- Ursula's great because she gets you by contract laws. <laughs> and I am so proud. I just Ursula the, <laughs> is lawyered. The only thing about those contracts that doesn't make any sense is they signed away their souls for eternity, not for until Ursula explodes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, also, Ursula only loses by chance. <laughs> <laughs> she loses by because she's stabbed with a ship. <laughs> uh, uh, Anne hates Eric. Yeah? And I've thought... As far as most Disney princes go, uh-huh. Eric is mm, maybe in the top five. He's fine. <laughs> Number one is Aladdin, as he is the main character. <laughs> yes. You know who's not in the top five? I'm going to go off on this for a second. Is freaking Flynn Rider. I, d- I don't care about Flynn. And people are like, Flynn is the best. It's like, Flynn's a criminal. Is he, is he Tangled? Tangled. I have not seen yeah. Tangled. <laughs> Yeah, like Aladdin. (laughs) Okay, here's the difference. Aladdin needs to do it to survive. (laughs) Flynn does it because, oh, I don't know, hobby. You know, you like watching movies as a hobby. He likes stealing stuff. You don't see him judging you. (laughs) One of us breaks the law, Kylie. You? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's criminal that I own all of these movies. I think so. Yeah. I'm gonna do a citizen's arrest. Listen, I'm sure an environmentalist would come and be here and be like, there's so much plastic! It would have existed whether you had these or not. (laughs) Okay. Um, moving for- yeah, I, I, I think Little Mermaid, I like- what it is. But the moment I start to pick at it, the moment is where I start to get issues. Also, I don't like the animation of it. Yeah. Here's, like, so the backgrounds, the backgrounds are, like, the backgrounds have this animation to them that when the characters are moving it, I'm like, what's, what's, what's happening? Like, at the beginning, there were some dolphins and Anne were like, what are these dolphins? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, mind the actual art style of the mm-hmm. movie. I kind of like, I think it's really interesting, especially during Under the Sea and Kiss the Girl. Oh, the um, music numbers. <laughs> a part of your world. Yes, absolutely. As um, I've said. <laughs> the, the ending sequence is weird. Oh, the ending sequence reminded me of this thing that I want to talk about. Disney, Disney movies are weird musicals because they always like, so musicals when you structure them you have a song because your character needs and wants to sing and like they can't get their words out any other way they're so emotionally like out there they have to sing so disney musicals start out and they're always so front heavy with songs but by the time you get to the last 
half of the movie or more, almost all the musical numbers are gone and done and out of the way with, and we're here for plot, and we're going to move it forward. And we never really get a climactic kind of finale song in any way, shape, or form, unless it's a reprise of something earlier. Um, and it's just this, this weird thing that they do that I don't necessarily love because, like, it, you always end on these, like, really weird last songs. Like, the last song of Frozen is Fixer Upper. Um, the last song of Aladdin is technically Prince Ali reprise. Um, the last song by Jafar. By Jafar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, until you reprise, um, the, um, until you reprise Circle of Life, the last song of Lion King is Hakuna Matata. Um, <laughs> can you feel the love tonight? Oh, sorry. Can you feel the love tonight? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, the sorry. last song of Mulan is a girl worth fighting for. Yeah. Uh, so like they they just they, they they forget the musical aspects in the third act and it bothers me often. Frozen two doesn't do this as much because both main Anna characters have climactic songs, mm -hmm. which I'm like, yes, good job, we did it. Maybe we learned, but I don't think we did. Um, and I do think it's interesting that they allow these characters to exist in their own. They exist on their own. They don't exist for anybody else. And I appreciate that this is a trend that we are coming to. And I know that there is some pseudo-false, maybe, feminism that's put in there in terms of not only just Anna and Elsa, but if you really looked at Moana, um, and uh, you could uh, probably even go back to Tiana as well, where like they're like, yeah, look at them, they're moving forward, and I don't know. I'm not articulating this argument really well because I don't necessarily know what the argument is that, like, there is... It's not the best and most healthiest representation of women. I, I do like the representation, and I think that we need to start somewhere, and we've already started and we're moving forward down this path. But that being said, if you can have these characters for, for girls who are growing up to see that you can be your own person in the world, I think that's a great thing. And that's why I really I like the Frozen movies as well. Any other thoughts on Disney princesses through the years? Nope. Okay, great. Oh, gosh. You ready? Name Disney princesses. Kind of. Oh, okay. Give names of different science fiction movies. Alien. 2001. That's a good one. The Matrix. Uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still. Wally. Um... Swirling Green. Robot Cop. Planet of the Apes. Uh, the day, oh, did you already say the day the Earth should still? Yeah, I did. Uh. <laughs> it's been a while since I've won. <laughs> <laughs> I kept just thinking of robots. <laughs> you could have just said robots. Oh, <laughs> Starring Ewan McGregor. And Robin Williams. Yep. yep. And Amanda Bynes. Yeah, everyone's three favorite actors. Alright friends, if you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, so give us a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. Oh, wait, I don't know what I, what, what did I do before? Oh. Oh. You nail this bit every time. 
every time you nail this bitch. Did I forget what I did the first time? <laughs> I want you all to know that sadly it is not a bit and it's just I don't know what's going on. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. On Twitter at DWT underscore podcast. Ducks Watch Together. Tumblers. Ducks Watch Together. Letterboxd. WACT and Kylie Galsh. Thank, Thank you so you. much for listening. I've been Kylie. I've been Josh. Quack, 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 quack. quack, quack. quack. <laughs>